And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. It's Monday, and that means McKelly Barrett is with me. McKelly, what's up? I mean, I woke up in the worst possible way. I mean, it's... I just checked... uh, the, the results and I was so yeah. mad like why why do I have to start the week waking up at 5 15 a.m with a thunder win like that is something that I didn't want but hey I mean at least Boku had a uh, quite the night can you imagine like winning the same basketball game with I don't know Isaiah Roby <laughs> and Gabriel Deck being the best scorers that would have been Here's the th- Awful. Or Charlie Brown, like a guy like Charlie yeah. Brown going up for 50 because he was happy for the contract. Something crazy like that. See, Charlie Brown would have been acceptable to me because it would have just been like, it would have been the equivalent of giving like Otoru 21 shots like they did last night, right? Like Charlie Brown. He's so Charlie bad. Brown is Otoru. our Otoru, right? It's a hard name to say too. Yeah. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, it's, it's bittersweet. It's mostly bitter that they lost this game. Poku was very good. His touch, like his touch looks so much better than it did at the beginning of the season. Like he's just he's more mm-hmm. comfortable. He's he's and some of the comfort was that the Clippers played zero defense, like none. I saw I saw them play two possessions on Poku where it looked like they were actually guarding him. And the rest it was just like Luke Kennard being Luke Kennard. I mean it was it was yeah. the worst NBA basketball game I've ever seen. I got to witness it in person, which uh, it's kind of—I guess it's kind of cool that the worst basketball game I've ever seen in my life. I got to see it in person. Uh, it was awful, truly awful. The Clippers were making me so mad. They just—they could not—they just couldn't care less about that game, yeah. about winning that game. I mean, they started Zubak to get him the stupid record for being it playing in every single game he didn't play sure he started it's just it's just like a just a ridiculous technicality like he didn't play he has zero minutes he's got zeros across the board one personal foul he goes out they bring Ibaka in Ibaka's kind of moving at half speed out there the only guy that actually played well for the Clippers was Terrence Mann who was awesome yeah Seven and eight from the field, 19 points, two boards. He only played him 23 minutes. And then, like, they, they, they stopped letting Jay Scrub and Yogi Ferrell shoot the ball. And then Haturu <laughs> took 21 shots in the game. They were having him, like, post up on the mid post. Dude, it was <laughs> such a disaster. And, like, people yeah. are complaining, like, yeah, Moses Brown played a lot. And when Moses Brown is surrounded by people that don't play hard, he's going to He's going to put up numbers. He, 20, 24, 18, three assists, seven blocks for Moses was, was a monster night. 
yeah, they they could have benched him. They probably should have benched him in favor of just like throwing deck out there at center or just throw it, making sure that Horde yeah. is your center or. But Tony Bradley was kind of scoring at will too, and they were like, okay, we got to pull him out too. They should have just played small and let Aturu just steamroll people. But are you sure that that that, that is something that could happen in real life? Like Oturu steaming people? At, at least you don't have Moses Brown's gigantic arms grabbing every rebound, right? Yeah, but it's... These games are just... I mean, they won three games when they really tried the tanking yeah, thing. they did. Yeah, And you cannot do better yeah. than that. I mean, yes, of course you can, but it's... They really did um, a good job. the The goal was to get one of the fifth worst uh, record. They actually mm-hmm. did it, and and it's <clears throat> if you think about like where they were, it's kind of insane. So, yeah, it's it's not good that they share uh, the record with Cleveland and that they lost a little bit of um, percentage in terms of uh, odds and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But you know, it's. Um, you can lose them all, as I already said. And uh, I mean, some night, say that Poku has a normal night, you lose this game, even if uh, the Clippers uh, were playing like yeah. this. So it's... Uh, yeah, and, and the Clippers, it became pretty clear pretty early on that the Clippers were going to lose this game, like, no matter what happened. I mean, they, they did not foul at the end of the game when they were... When they were down, it became clear that like they were going to be as non-competitive as possible. And they were going to find who is the worst player on the roster. They're looking up and down the roster. They found him. They said, you, you're the one. You're going to take all the shots. And the, the Thunder have kind of done what they've always done throughout the season. They have a non-competitive group because the players aren't ready to win and they don't know how to win, and they're not talented enough to win. But they're not going out there and throwing games by running sets through their worst offensive player on the team. Like they, If they wanted to do that, they could have said, no. hey, Charlie Brown, you are now Take you are our shots. point guard, and we don't want you to pass. We want you to create everything. That would have, that's the equivalent of what the Clippers did. And Scott Van Pelt went on this yeah. huge rant with mostly being correct, right? Like, if, if mm-hmm. you've listened to it, he is 90% correct about everything. He talks about how mm-hmm. the draft is the only way that the Thunder can actually build a team. Yes, thank you. Like, thank, yes, that's yeah. correct. You know, he talks about how yes. they had to sit players in favor of playing younger players. Yes. That's what they're doing, exactly. And then he gets like to the emotional piece and talks about how like this is the way that the Thunder want to operate, and they, I don't know, it just got weird, and like he didn't like it. This is what it came down to. Like I don't like the way that they're doing this. The truth is like nobody likes it. I, I don't know how you could watch last night's game where you had the Thunder doing what they've done, which is they're just playing players that aren't ready to win, but then you watch a team that, that actually tanks the game. That control that tells the yeah. players exactly how to. Here's how we're going to lose this game, and here's what you're going to do to lose it. Like that was really tanking. Like I, I don't know how anybody could have sat and watched that game and enjoyed it. 
it was an abysmal basketball game. It's it was the equivalent of like 2K on rookie mode. There was no defense. Come on, come on. That was Pokushevsky. I know. That's enough I, for it, me to be entertained. Even Poku, yes, there were some entertaining moments, but like you knew it wasn't real. You know what I mean? Like you knew parts of it oh, the step back be, looked, because there was no defense. Okay. There's not that wasn't a real yeah, NBA game. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah that it, is that is fair. So like, yes, that like you can yes, we all hate that. I don't think anybody sat and enjoyed the game. I don't think I think it's almost impossible because you knew what was going on from the Clippers side in particular. And yeah, the Thunder did some stuff too. They sat some guys, but the game plan stuff was still like, hey, we're still going to run our stuff. And we're still going to mm-hmm. try to put ourselves in position to help these guys go through scenarios where they can get better. So, And they have lost in a historic fashion doing that. Uh, they just ran into a team that yeah. tanked harder than they did. And, you know, it's, it's frustrating. But... Alex has been texting me about this. We talked about it last night after the game. But if you go back, Alex and I did an episode, and I may sprinkle some of that episode into Wednesday's show, where we talked about like what do we think the odds are that a team could, that the Thunder could pass in the reverse rankings, like the Wizards and the Raptors and teams like that. And I thought it was pretty low for the most part. I didn't think that they were going to. I thought they would end up at like seven, eight, nine is the range that mm-hmm. I thought they would end up in. And so we had kind of hoped that they would end up where they are today, which is tied for fourth with Cleveland, just a, a game behind Orlando, two games behind Detroit, and then a ton back of Houston. Uh, I, yeah. This, is, this was like the ideal scenario so like there's just like a lot of perspectives to take here today yes and the fact is they are where they are like we can't, we can't do anything about that and in about a month the lottery's gonna happen we don't know what you don't know what's going to happen and obviously you would love to just have the team keep a top four spot like land at the fourth spot land at the third spot ideally get the number one spot but we don't have control over that and we don't know that like the kings aren't going to jump up to one we don't know what's going to happen we're it's completely out of the control of the organization and you know this this whole season's been just a tale of two halves right like you had the first half of the mm-hmm. season shea is playing and that's the big that is the big overarching thing right and you've been you've been talking about this on After Dark. We've talked about it a lot. Like Shea has proven at his skill level that you can't be a bottom five team in the league if he's playing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that that is my thinking. Yeah. And so once he went out with an injury, and he talked today, and I'm going to put these some of these exit interviews at the end. I think I'll, I'll put Shea. I'll put Dort and I'll put some of Mascala on there. Uh, Poku's going to talk in about an hour, and so I will put that on there as well. I didn't get Mark. I didn't get Horford. I'm going to try to get those from uh, Thunder PR and see if I can put those on there too. But I'll put those here at the end. But Shea even said today that he's not. He's still not healthy. 
that he still can't go and that he hopes that he's healthy enough to play for Team Canada. So that like gives you a little bit of insight as to where Shea is with, the, with regards to the injury. He said it feels better. He said it's getting better every day. He said he's not 100% yet. So he doesn't, he doesn't even know if he can play for Team Canada is what he said. My assumption is that he will play for Team Canada, that he'll be better by then. But I don't know. I haven't, I don't, I haven't talked to his doctor. I don't, know what, I don't know what's going on with his foot. Uh, but the, the line of delineation was whenever he went down with the injury, with the tear, and that was it. Then they started, once that became clear, the team wasn't going to be good, but they would have probably won two or three more games than they did down the stretch, right? Which... Oh, no, 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 no. I completely disagree with that. Two and two or three is is such a low number. No, no, no. I I don't think that is accurate. Four? No, 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 no. I really think they could have been right with the Spurs. Without Shea? No, no, which Shea? I'm talking about without Shea. They pulled... They basically... What I'm saying is Shea goes out... Then they start mm-hmm. pulling all the levers to make sure they don't win those three games. Because mm-hmm. I think maybe like, Horford is maybe is I can say Horford is worth one, maybe two wins during that time span. I think that they if they don't have Shea, uh, but they play f- to win. So they don't play stupid lineups. They just play the best players. They don't play Moses Brown. They play uh, Roby Moore. They play Cambridge, Ty Jerome, Dort every single game without resting them. Um, I think that's six, seven games more, like around thirty. And with Shea, I think I think they are in the playing. I think that's total. I think that is totally possible. Yeah, they're probably at like Mm -hmm. they're probably in the Toronto range. The twenty-seven win range is where they would be if they didn't pull all those levers, which is the most worthless range to be in. And so once they realize, hey, he can't be here, they pulled all the levers, and now they got to where they are, which is they're going to split the fourth and fifth odds with the Cavs. Is is what happens, and so it's just that a little bit less than the fourth place odds to get there. So probably around 10, 10, 10 and a half percent to get, mm-hmm. um, to get the, um, to get the number one pick and then whatever it is in the forties, 45 ish percent to get a top four pick. So that's, that's where they'll be on, on draft night. Would you want better odds? Absolutely. Could you get like drastically better odds? I mean, not really. <laughs> you can't like get drastically better odds, which is kind of the purpose of the way that they've done it, right? It's like like seven mm-hmm. percentage points lower than the the third spot. And would you want to have those percentage points? Sure. We still, it still could be meaningless. They could have they could have been in the second spot and still fallen. And what you want what you yes. want to mitigate though is how far you can fall. And the further exactly. down you are, yes. the further you can fall. So that that is where it is more detrimental, is that you have the the potential to land at seven, you know, where you're at, rather than at, you know, falling to falling to five. You know, you'd rather fall to five than fall to seven. But again, 
Exactly. We can't control it. This is a this is a league issue. If the Thunder had a, a better way to to acquire talent, we wouldn't be worried about this. If they had the same opportunities that the Nets have, we wouldn't be worried about this. But the Thunder are going to build through the draft. This is how they're going to do it. And so, yes, we are, as a fan base, going to latch on to every single percentage point that we can because at the end of the day, it does matter. So if you're frustrated today, like you have every right to be frustrated. Uh, but also, you have. we also have to keep in perspective several things. Like one, like Shea Gilgis Alexander is a star. <laughs> I, I, be- I firmly yeah. believe that. And so basically... The Thunder tanked for 30 games, right? Like, truly, truly did it. And yes. we still have a chance to come out of this 30-game sample of a tank that was not fun basketball, but still, that's all that we had, right? With a star in Shea, with a nice starter in Lou, with a project wing, weird, hybrid, whatever he is in Poku that has the ceiling of a great player and that has the floor of just a wacky guy that came into the league that we'll remember forever. Um, <laughs> and Darius Baisley, who's still quite, he's a question mark to me quite like a lot, <laughs> but he has the skill set and the size of a guy that you would want, right? Six foot eight, long arms, can dribble, can shoot, can do all these things, can move well. Um, you know, he's still... Can shoot well, allegedly, but yeah, you know what I mean. He's shown the ability. Yeah, he's yeah, shown the ability to at least shoot off the catch. And yes, cool. If he works out, great. If not, it's not going to determine the ultimate destiny of the Thunder. But you come away with that, and then if you can add on top of it, high level draft picks, at least one. Give me one. You have the chance at two. Like that's a great place to be after having only a thirty-game tank sample. Yeah, and I'm also against a lot of um, media that says, well, um, I mean, tanking is bad and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, it's very, very hard and not common that a team wins a title without having at least some sort of draft luck slash yes. uh, tanking yes. year. I mean... Uh, even the Lakers that have Anthony Davis and LeBron mm-hmm. James, I mean, you can argue that they had that because there were, there were assets available. Without a doubt. I mean, LeBron, no, okay, but but they weren't they weren't relevant with LeBron and the, the, the youngster. They needed to get the star, and the star they got with draft capital after a lot of season of awful basketball. The Lakers were terrible with Randall and Lonzo and whoever. Like, that was not good basketball. It was the Kobe show, which, thank God we had it, because now we have a, a few more seasons uh, for us to re-watch of Kobe. But, I mean, it's it's not that that wasn't tanking. I mean, letting Kobe going in his farewell tour, in his farewell tour, I mean, that is actually tanking it's we don't care about the result we just care about kobe which is fine but you're not trying to win games you're trying to do different stuff which which is fine and and i love the point that you made about the difference in losing because you 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 strategically basically you you held out guys you held out guys from night to night but the guys that they are playing you are really trying to to have a philosophy of basketball now you don't need shots because 
you don't have good shooters, but at least you try to play functional units and try to play defense. It doesn't always work, no. but at least there, there is a basketball, a very crappy basketball. <laughs> it's but it's still trying. basketball. Last night, not it. Yes. Not it. No, no. Well, the, um, I mean, the Reggie with glasses experience for me was everything. <laughs> I mean, it's... But anyway, um, oh man. So yeah, I mean, but but it's it's not that. I mean, you can say yes, Brooklyn didn't tank. Yes, now for in this particular iteration, yeah. but they did. But I mean, is that an example? It's not. Is let, me like three you, stars? let me give you a reason why. One, they didn't have their draft picks. Two, they're located in Brooklyn, New York, where they could sit back and say and just have a functional, nice organization with. Cool logos, cool things, cool places to be. And then Kevin and Kyrie walked through the door. The Thunder, there's yeah. nothing the Thunder could do to make Oklahoma City cool enough, to make it good enough for those players you know what to they walk can through. Do? There's just no way. No, there is a way. They can get back Steven Adams. And that that means OKC is now the coolest team in the NBA. <laughs> That that will not Even happen that is clearly. Just, if if that were true, the Thunder would be on the phone now and be like, "We got to get Stephen back. Give four first round picks just to get him back here, so that we can get these guys to walk through the door." Oh, there, there is surely a guy that is trying to 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 move Stephen to OKC because maybe with Bledsoe. I mean, they they have the it's crazy. They have the cup space to absorb both without without giving anything. Basically, they can give in. I don't know, like a couple of like pieces like deck they can give sure. deck away and absorb everything yeah. yeah yeah they could it's it's pretty wild and we talked a little bit over text about how we think that they'll proceed with their cap space mm-hmm. and perhaps like a free agent might be a part of the pursuit i tend to think that it will not be that I just I just don't see it. I, I think that they'll use their cap space the way that they have in the past is like a Bledsoe or like just some dead weight money. If a team is either trying to trying to pursue somebody in free agency and they don't have the cap space, the Thunder could be like, "Hey, we've got it. Just send us a pick." Or or like Bledsoe, where they're just cap strapped and not necessarily seeking a free agent but they just want to get out of the situation that they put themselves in well the thunder could say yeah you just have to give us two future first round picks or you have to pick swap you have to give us pick swaps you know in these whatever years they are kick the can as far down the road as you can kind of thing and hope that maybe zion is gone um or something happens and they're just not any good I think McKellie's frozen on me. Uh, so today is Thunder Media Day. We're only going to go for a few more minutes. Um, so we've we talked to Coach Degnault. We've talked to Shea. Uh, we've talked to Dort. Uh, we talked to Mike Muscala. Um, Kenrich talked. I'm sure that there's somebody else talking right now, but I'm not on it because we're recording. Uh but it was the guys have been pretty good so far. I mean, I just am more and more convinced that Shea is going to be an absolute star in this league, and I think that Mark 
I asked Mark about it. Mark kind of hinted at that. That's kind of where his belief is with Shay. And then just the way that Shay operates and the way that everybody talks about him. He's 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 kind of he's like all the other stars OKC's had. You know, where people talk about their work ethic and the way that they lead and you can even see him last night the way that he was leading the team with his enthusiasm on the bench. Uh it was a it was quite impressive. Like he's just he's an impressive impressive player even just as a leader. Uh, he knows how to lead in the right ways and I I'm I'm really excited to see him come back because that was one thing that Mark Dagnall said was that the most impressive thing about him is that when he comes back after a break, he has changed in some way. He said he changed his body recently. Uh, that's one thing Shea said he wants to do is to keep getting a lot stronger. And that's mm-hmm. probably so he can absorb fouls and so that he can get in the lane better. I mean, you saw James Harden. Like, James Harden wasn't a tank when he came into the league. Uh, he became one through getting stronger and stronger through the years. And I think that Shea understands the value in that. And so Mark talked about how he just comes back better every time, adding something, changing a shooting stroke, being, being, a, being better at everything. And so that, it really excites me to see what he'll be after this season. And I hope he can go play with his national team because I do think that those experiences help to build a certain level of confidence as well within these players, because mm-hmm. I think he'll quickly discover that he is, without a doubt, the best player on that team. And then to take that mantle and then to come back to OKC, I, I just don't know. I just don't know what next season looks like, McKelly, and I'm fascinated. I, the, this is going to be one of the more fascinating off-seasons in Thunder history, and there have been lots yeah. <laughs> of fascinating off-seasons in Thunder history, but to me this will be one of them. One, because of the draft and the draft lottery, and then two – what kind of team do they make? Like, what does it look like? I just, I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah, and part um, is connected to what we were saying before about the cap space <clears throat> and the things that you can actually do with money. I mean, we, we jokingly said, well, you can absorb Adams and Bledsoe, and that gives you asset. Um, I was listening to Sam Vecini and Danny LaRoe talking about uh, the future of the eliminated teams, and they floated around, especially Danny, uh, which I often disagree mm-hmm. with, but he's smart, so it's uh, smarter than me, so he's always a good listen. And he was saying, well, maybe OKC can gather talent by just signing a restricted free agency. Yeah. I just, uh, free, free agent. I just don't see it. Yeah, but it depends. It depends. It really depends. There are guys that you can really maximize in OKC, yeah. I think. Like, uh, it's, when they um, talked about marketing, I listened to that portion of the, of the pod yeah, this yeah, morning. But, I just, that's one I'm just like, guys, like, I just don't see no, it. No, yeah. no, but they weren't into that. They said, well, if you, if you have a player that works, though, and it's restricting. And again, we uh, in the chat we floated around the idea of Duncan Robinson or, or even Lonzo. Like, you can offer for Lonzo. He's a talent. Lon- Lonzo's He's like one very... of the only ones where let's say you don't get a guard. Let's say that Evan Mobley is the only guy they get, right? Yeah. Oh, too bad. Too bad. Mm. Like I'd be freak. I'd, or Kaminga. Or Kaminga. Or say I'd be freak. By the way, I'd be freaking out if they, if they just got yeah. Evan Mobley. Uh, then I could see it where you play Shea, Dort, Lonzo, where 
multi-skilled, multi-talented Poku. players. Poku at the four, Mobley at the five. You're this wacky, high IQ. Everybody can pass it. Lonzo's been good shooting off the catch. If Dort can continue to be good shooting off the catch, it's, that is a wild and wacky fun team. I just... The thing about it is that the Thunder have never done this before. They've never gone after restricted free agents. It's always through mm-hmm. trade if they're going to acquire a player that's on another team. Yeah. Or it's lower-level free agents. Some of it is, like, first of all, does Lonzo take a meeting with the Thunder? Is a, is a question I, I would ask. I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the question that I ask you is, when is the last time that OKC truly had cap space to sign a restricted free agency, free agent? Like big time cap space, 2010. Yeah. 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 But they they had already something to build with. Yeah. But, and but then I remember, the I remember thing, uh, the conversations I was having, and this was pre, pre-podcast, Andrew, was, hey, could they throw the max at David Lee? Could they throw the max at... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Bosch was always like the pipe dream that I would always talk about with people. It's like, wouldn't Chris Bosch? That would have been so smart to do it. Wouldn't yeah? Wouldn't Chris Bosch want to come play with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook? Oh yeah, he should want to do that. And like, and at the time, like we were still it, the team was still so new to us that we were just thinking in terms mm-hmm. of roster construction only and having very little understanding of like how much the market your market dictates exactly what you can do. And so then yeah. when the Thunder gave Nick Collison this balloon payment and ate up a ton of their space, you're like, what in the world are they doing? They're squashing this opportunity that they could have had. And yeah, but, but the truth is, like, they weren't getting meetings with David Lee. They weren't going to get a meeting no, with Chris Bosh. They weren't going to get a meeting. They weren't even going to get a meeting with those guys. Yeah, but that, that I completely understand. There is a small... Uh, thing that I think uh, it's it's different now, and is that both Miami and the Pelicans are not as flexible, especially Miami. Yeah. They don't want to go into early free agency and sign Robinson immediately. How old is Duncan Robinson? Is he twenty six? Is that right? Yeah, something like yeah, that. See, that's where I'm just like, eh, like I don't know, man. Who cares? I, you signed it for four I know, years. I kind of care though. I kind of care. Me. That's nah, who kind of cares. Don't care. Don't care. Um, I like Duncan Robinson. Lonzo. I like him as a guy. I like him as a player. I think he's I think he's mm-hmm. super good. He's he's probably underrated at this point in his yeah. career. Yeah. The point is at some point you need you want the money. And if somehow the Pelicans don't offer twenty plus to Lonzo, which I mean it's it's not a, a foregone conclusion that they yeah. will. Well, don't you think like the Knicks it's a lot will of or money. something? Like he'll take a meeting with the Knicks, and if the Knicks want to give him the same money, like he's going to New York. Of course, of yeah. course. But if you are OKC and you are a team that can offer a really good contract, fat contract, five mm-hmm. years, they can offer whatever Lonzo wants if they think that he, he fits with Shea. And I think that... Lonzo fit very well with Shea. Yeah. He's not the lead ball handler, but he's a guy that can defend, that can space the court very well. He can take eight trees per game. He's Kenrich Williams on high steroids. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does everything that Kenrich does better. Mm-hmm. He's a much more uh, willing passer. He knows 
Like, that would be a fun team. I know that it's unlikely that uh, OKC gets a meeting, but if they have space and they think that he can work with the roster, why not? They have no cap constraints for the next five years. I would be floored. I would have a heart attack. I'd, I'd, I'd die. I'd have to be resuscitated and brought back to life if something like that happened. I just don't, I just don't think it's going to happen. You force someone else's hand to offer more. Yeah. And that is, to me, if you have a young star, you should be forced to pay market value. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, it's, it's just that. I mean, OKC had Portland making a silly offer to, to Ennis. Yep. And they had to pay. Yeah, they had to match They didn't it. want to pay that amount. Yeah. Yeah, I would just, I would be very, 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 very surprised. I would guess that we'll end up with like the Morris Peterson contract again. You know what I mean? Like that's how they use yeah, their cap space. Which is Bledsoe. Before, I mean, is they, they did the yeah. Mo Pete thing. He stunk. They continued to build and collect assets. And that's the way it went. My, my guess is Mo Pete part two, 2021 here this summer. That's what that would be my guess uh, as mm-hmm. to how that they will handle themselves. So, and they I don't know. I mean, there there's a there's a lot of things that that could happen. You know, they've they've made some moves. Like they they signed Charlie Brown to a deal this past week. I don't just from thinking about it, I don't think that it's the same deal as Moses Brown. Um, cuz I think they only have the minimum left. I don't think they can use mm-hmm. any of their mid-level money on him like they did with Moses. So I think what the deal is is a deal for the rest of this season at the minimum prorated and then next season minimum uh, probably non-guaranteed would be my guess. Yeah. For, for Yeah, the multi-year thing uh, can be just two yeah. years. T is multi, apparently. Yes, I think that would... Just just from looking into it, just with the cap numbers and what they have put together, my guess is that it's minimum two years, including this year, and not guaranteed. So they can use him as, you know, trade fodder. They can cut him. They're going to have a lot of options with him. So um, that would be my guess on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, and again, it's it's. It, I, I agree with you. It's it's way more likely that they do something something easier, like not going and signing Duncan Robinson or Lonzo yeah, or I, whoever is restricted right now. I understand, but I mean, one thing that OKC is really really good at is taking guy that is worth X, and at the end of the season you have a guy that is worth X plus. Yeah. So I, I really wonder if something like that. Could could be in place. Well, I mean, and, and an t- example of that would be Jeremy Grant. Is Darius Basley? Oh no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> be Jeremy Grant with the with the Pistons. Like right now, let's say they look at their team, they get Cade, and they look at their team, and they're like, "Yeah, we want to we want to push our timeline back a little bit." And you know, Jeremy Grant doesn't quite fit what we want. Let's call the Celtics. Celtics say, oh, we'll give you two first-rounders for him. We'll do that today. Great. Done mm-hmm. deal. 
boom. That's 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 another reason why if you see the potential of a guy in free agency where you may have to seemingly overpay them in in the offseason to get them to come to your market. Um, Obviously, Jeremy had desires to be in Detroit for multiple reasons. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a lot Mm -hmm. of details within that details that the Thunder couldn't like the Thunder can't manufacture the reasons why he wanted to go to Detroit. They couldn't do it. Uh, but let's say that you did have a player that you think you could build their value. And then like right now, if Detroit said, Hey, Jeremy Grant's on the market, they, they would get Robert Covington plus value for him. Right. Yeah. And so like, that's like another reason why that you want to do it. But anyways, just to kind of put a bow on this conversation and kind of the future conversations that we're going to have over the next several weeks, as we, approach the draft lottery as we approach the NBA draft. Like the Thunder are are backed into this small market corner where they essentially have one way to get better. And if the Thunder had multiple ways to get better, they would do it. The one way is the draft. That's how they that's how you make the big leap. You yes. can't make big leaps through free agency. You can't make big leaps through trade right now with the Thunder. Uh, and so the big leaps will be made through the draft. And so that's why we're all mad today. <laughs> it's because this is our, this was it. This is how we do it. And the Clippers messed up. And so now, people, we are Mavs fans. Alex was texting this in our chat, and I was like, yes, this is right. We are all Mavericks fans. Clippers, we want you to go down in round one. We want you to pay them for this Daniel or Turu game that you made us all suffer through. So we're uh, that would be that would be amazing. Can you imagine if they go down in round 1? I'll be elated. I, if I, will be if elated. I were Kawhi, I would I would bounce. I will I if they win, I will get a Daniel Oturu flag printed and I will raise it up in my front yard and just have his face just flapping in the wind. So you're you're getting worse, Andrew. I mean, the first was the tattoo. Now it's just the flag. I mean, <laughs> you should you should aim for more. I, I'm so mad. I'm so mad about it. It was just the dumbest game. Ugh. But anyways, I'm gonna put some of these interviews at the end here. Hope you guys enjoy it. Just stick with us. We're gonna continue to bring you guys content every week. Uh, make sure that you go to uh, the OKC Dream Team Patreon page, Patreon.com/slash OKC Dream Team. Uh, where in the next like week, week and a half, Michele and I are going to start posting our Thunder After Dark player draft or draft evaluations on players. So we're going to post 30-plus players on there that we mm-hmm. evaluate, that we're going to watch a ton of, that we're going to figure out who we like, who we don't like. We're eventually going to put our rankings up there. So make sure that you go subscribe to that. We'll talk a little bit about that on here, but we'll go into like full detail over there. So make sure that you check that out. Uh, go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and get the athletic for $3.99 a month. You're going to want that. And uh, with that, we will send you guys over to these interviews uh, on Media Day. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah. um, Like you said, Sam does have a great track record. He knows what he's doing. Um, And I think myself and the rest of the guys and the rest of the world I've seen so many guys on this team develop all year long. Um, and I can go down the list um, to myself, to Poku, to Teo, to Moses, to Baze, to Lou, to Ty. Um, we see guys step up um, and really get better at their craft all year long. Um, and I said, I think I said this at the beginning of the year, that's one of the biggest things that we tried to focus on as a team, um, developing, trying to get better every day. Um, and wherever that takes us, we'll be satisfied because we know we did all we can do. Thank you. Nick Gallo, Thunder Broadcasting. Shay, just as a leader, as you look back at these past six months and all the things that you all had to go through from the testing and um, lack of practice and shoot-arounds and all that stuff, uh, just what, what stands out to you about the way the group carried itself and the way you all handled this day-to-day? Yeah, um, I think that just speaks to the character of guys we got in our locker room and in our building. Um, high character guys, do whatever it takes, um, do the right things. Coach said at the beginning of the year, the leader is the guy doing the right thing in the moment. It's not the best player. It's not the oldest guy in the room. Um, and like I can say we got a team full of leaders of guys that do the right thing day in and day out. Um, guys with great attitudes. And I, I ultimately think um, we have guys that are grateful to be here. Obviously, we're in a great position being in the NBA. Um, and, and, and that's the, the main culprit as to why we behave and act and, and do things we do. Joe Masato, the Oklahoman. Yeah, Shay, how does the foot feel now and what's sort of the recovery process for you moving forward? Yeah, um, foot's progressing. Um, feel a lot better than I did a month ago. Two months ago, I feel like I'm getting better every day. Um, so I'm satisfied with that. Do you, Do you plan to play for Team Canada this summer if you're healthy? Yeah, um, if I'm 100% healthy, yes, I do. Um, but I, I guess that's the figuring out part I got to do. Get 100% healthy first and foremost before I do that. Um, so it's not a no, it's not a yes. Uh, me and my people still got to figure out timelines for when I'm there. Um, and then from there, we'll figure out. Cliff Brunt, Associated Press. Yeah, Shay, uh, how exciting is it for you as a primary scorer to watch Lou? You know, he averaged 24 points a game in April. What was it like watching that develop, and how excited are you to, to work with him given his growth this season? Yeah, um, me and Lou are super close, like brothers. Um so I know what he's capable of. Um, and me being out and not being able to be on the floor with him for that period of time, um, I just tried to help him in any way I could. Um, and you guys saw what he did with it. Um, obviously a really good player, super hard worker, um, super high character guy. 
Um, and we always say when you when you have those things, um, life works out for you. Um, and you guys saw that for Lou this year. He got better in so many areas. Um, and he deserves it and he works for it. Thank you. Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman. Yeah, Shay, you uh, you played on a playoff team as a rookie, then a playoff team last year. This year, you guys were pretty competitive until you got hurt. But the last two months were pretty rough. Do you buy into any of the theories or concerns that that uh, extensive losing can be detrimental to, to a guy's development, either mentally or emotionally or any of those things? Um, I didn't feel that way personally. Um, obviously, nobody wants to lose. Everyone hates losing. Um, and I wouldn't say the last, sorry, month and a half or a couple months was the most fun I've had playing basketball. Um, but it is what it is. Um, life's about ups and downs. Season's about ups and downs. Um, and through it all, you got to have core values and things that you stick by. And I think as a team, we have those. Um, and I think that's what allowed us to, to keep a positive mindset throughout the losing or whatever it was. Um, and I can honestly say myself and the rest of my teammates got better throughout the whole situation and all the losing, whatever it was, made us stronger in that end. So I can't complain. Andrew Schlecht, down to dime. Your rate of improvement has been just tremendous over really since we've been able to watch you from Kentucky to the Clippers and then the first two years with the Thunder. Uh, what's what's next? Like what you, you improve your three point shooting off the bounce tremendously this year. You improve your finishing. Like what's in your mind? What what is what is next for you? Um, always continue to get stronger. Um, try to get more athletic, faster, conditioning wise. Um, really just work on my body. Um, and then it's, in terms of skills. Just getting better the same way I did. Um, you can always improve. I don't shoot 100% from the field. I don't shoot 100% from the free throw line. And I certainly don't shoot 100% from three. So I got a lot of improvement I need to do. Um, and I'll continue to do so. Paris Lawson, OKCThunder.com. Yeah, Shay, kind of along those same lines, I mean, we know how hard you work to improve every year. You told us how hard you worked coming into this season to be able to take on that that higher responsibility offensively, whether it's you know finishing at the rim or shooting. Is there anything in particular that you're most proud of that's kind of seeing your work pay off on the floor? Um, yeah, what, what I'm most proud of, I don't know if this is more about like me and my work, um, but I think the amount of fun myself and my teammates had throughout the whole season from start to finish. Um, and obviously our group to change um, around the deadline and stuff like that. We kind of had some new guys come in and come out. Um, but yeah, it was super fun no matter what. Um, and all the guys that I was around this year, it was super fun. Uh, even some of the 10 days and things like that, guys meshed really well, and, and we had a blast. And I think that's the thing I'm most proud of. Um, obviously, in the NBA, it's a business, um, and guys come and go a lot. And it's hard to find that. Uh, I think I found that this year, and it was something that I'm proud of. Daniel Bell, Black Sports Online. Hey, Shay, um, was it tough at times as the leader of the team to not be on the court and be able to lead by example? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's always harder to tell Lou to pick up full court when I'm not out there doing it myself. Um, it's always harder to tell somebody, you know what I'm saying, to block a 300-pound guy out when I can't do it myself. Um, uh, guys respect me around the locker room, and I respect them. Um, we have a really good relationship. Um, so it wasn't necessarily hard, but it's always easier when you're on the court with them. It can, it can do it in an example. Um, but, yeah, the group of guys were great um, and made it really easy for me to help on the sidelines not playing. Back to Joe Masato. Yeah, Shay, Al was saying that, you know, his decision to sit out was at least partially related to, to your injury as far as the timing of it. Just what was – how do you think Al and the team sort of handled his situation, which was pretty unique, and, and what conversations have you had with him moving forward given that, you know, his future is pretty uncertain at this point of where he's going to play next season? Yeah, um, as far as our situation – I can't really speak too much about it. We haven't really had too many conversations about this whole situation. Um, but Al Horford, obviously a A1 character guy, um, was the vet in the locker room, obviously, this year. Um, he's not the always the loudest in the room, but when he speaks, you listen. Um, and handled himself really good this year. Obviously, it was big for, you want to see the young guys, but we're all, 90% of us this year were young. Um, uh, he was he was big for our, our growth and our development. Um, and as far as his future, um, any team would be lucky to guy, have a guy like Al Horford on their team, and not only for what he can do on the court, but off the court as well. I just have a couple more that are unrelated, but just I, I know the lottery is pretty far off, but that's going to be, you know, a, a, a big night for the organization, depending on what happens. Like, how how much are you going to pay attention to that, or like, look who's on the board, or or, or stuff like that, when you tr try to project who some of your new teammates might be. Yeah, I'm gonna watch the whole draft for sure. I do every year. Um, you know, when I wasn't in the NBA, just to see, like, it's always fun seeing guys, sorry, family reaction and stuff like that. Um, obviously, it's a great moment. Um, it'll be fun to watch. Um, but, yeah, I'll be tuned in, I'll be locked in, and I'll be excited for, for all the guys that get drafted, not only the guys that get drafted by the Thunder. And then just last one from me, um, your brother announced that he's transferring to NEO, and I just was curious what that's like for you to have him a little bit cl closer to home and um, just about your guys' relationship. Oh, yeah, that'll be fun. Um, I'll have to keep him away a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Don't spoil him too much. Um, but, yeah, it's my brother. Um, we're super close. Um, and having it a little bit closer will be fun. What, what's your scouting report on his game? Um, he does everything I do, but way better. Thanks, Shay. Back to Andrew Schlecht. I wondered if you had any like first memories of meeting Alexa Pokashevsky, and then if you could just talk about the the progress that he's made this season and kind of what you see from him on the court. Um, first impression, he was just quiet at first. Um, obviously super tall. Um, we got out there, we played pickup. Um, he doesn't look like he moves as well as he does, but he does move really well for his size. That kind of surprised me and got me off guard. Um, but has great feel for the game. Obviously you guys know, you guys have seen it all year. 
Um, but Poku's another guy on this team that has obviously it wasn't easy, ups and downs um, from start to finish, um, but through it all got better. Um, and I'm excited for his future. Thank you, Shay. Have a good day. You too. And then one more thing, you know, just yourself as kind of a, an elite defender, what have you learned about not only impacting kind of your one-on-one matchups, but, but how you as a defender can impact your entire team on that end of the floor in, in kind of the five-man defense? Um, to really, you know, to, to start it, you know, I got to lead by example and just me playing really hard and make it tough for, for anybody I guard and, and my teammates seeing that, I feel like, I feel like it helps and it just touches everybody. Barry Trammell, the Oklahoman. Yeah, Lou, this time last year, of course, we were in the middle of the shutdown. Um, you were uh, not even signed to a, a, a full contract. Um, your future was somewhat up in the air. Now you're considered a, a Thunder franchise cornerstone. Do you marvel at how, how far your status and your, your reputation as a player personality and a player in the NBA has come in such a short amount of time? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was short, but I, I always feel like it's, it's the work that I put in and is that's, that was, that was one of my goals. And, you know, I'm going to keep doing the same stuff, play the right way and be the same person that I am. And, you know, always trying to compete really hard and, and that's just me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm humble and grateful for that. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the next season. What's your next step as a player? I mean, you, 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 you've made such strides here in a short amount of time. What's, what's next for you in your development? I mean, I, I always felt like there's room to improve in a, in a lot. Uh, you know, probably being more vocal, more leader, that's probably one of the big things. But overall, just my whole game really, you know, this, the offseason is kind of for that, you know, just to try to add some more stuff and, and just to work on it really hard. So, but yeah. Paris Lawson, OKCThunder.com. Yeah, Lou, you were able to get a lot of new experiences this year. I'm just thinking back to, you know, being able to be primary ball handler out there on the floor. Just how much did you feel like you grew in that, that area and how much did you kind of like cherish that experience? Uh, a lot. I mean, it's, you know, that was one of the things that, you know, before the season, the coaches were talking to me about, you know, just developing in that. And I feel like they did a great job with me. And I feel like, you know, I, I did a good job, you know, handling that too as, you know, it's not an easy position, you know, in, at this level. And, uh, you know, it took some time, but I feel like I can, I can still improve. Joe Masato, the Oklahoman. Yeah, Lou, is making an all-defensive team a goal you've ever set, or is that something that you'll pay attention to when, when those um, ballots are revealed? Uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely a goal. You know, I play hard, to, you know, to, to, to be reward, reward one day, so – you know, hopefully it happens. If it doesn't happen, it's, it's all good. You know, I'm going to still, still keep playing it the, the same way. We, we've talked a lot about your offensive improvement this year. Like, in what areas defensively do you think you've improved from last year? Uh, one of the main thing was to stay out of foul trouble. That was that was a big thing kind of uh, uh, last year. And and really um, – Doing more like studying more on the, on the on my opponents and stuff like watching really really a lot of film just to to know their their best tricks or something. So that was one thing I did this year. 
And then last one for me, um, I know you've said in the past that you plan to play for Team Canada if that's an option for you. Given how like condensed this season was and how much of a physical toll it took, like how are you preparing for that? And like what what kind of grind would, would that be if you you know you're playing more games like that this summer? Uh, I mean, I'll be a grind for sure, but that's that's what I love to do. And you know, I actually want to play for, for Team Canada this year. I never played with Team Canada, so you know that'll be cool. That'll be cool to to represent my country. So you know, hopefully, it happens. Would it be? I'm assuming it'd be cool to play with Shea too. If he, he said, you know, he's open to playing if he's healthy, what would that be like to to team up together for Team Canada? Yeah, that'd be cool. You know, just two Thunder guys on on the Canadian team, and you know, we'll be able to represent Canada at the same time we we'll represent OKC. Andrew Schlecht, down to dunk. I think I've asked you this question before, but it was a long time ago. Um, you become kind of a cult hero on online like on reddit on twitter and how much of that stuff do you see and like what are you like what do you think when you see it like people make cartoons about you people make all kinds of stuff like you've become like one of like the guys i mean you go on the thunder reddit page and there's like a daily dort every day Uh, nobody else gets that i'm just curious what are what your thoughts are on stuff like that Uh, i just i just see it sometimes sometimes i just go on my phone and just to check and i feel like it's pretty funny you know it's it's nice to see the, the the fans, you know, doing all that. I feel like it's pretty funny and entertaining. So, you know, I, every time I watch them, I just laugh. Jean-Francois Tremblay. Oui, salut, Lugans. Salut, salut. Tout d'abord, toi, au niveau personnel, dans quel aspect de ton jeu tu trouves que tu as le plus amélioré cette saison et ça a été quoi la clé pour ça? Pour cette saison, c'était vraiment avoir la balle plus souvent, you know, d'être plus un, un meneur. Puis euh, je pense que j'ai fait une bonne job. C'est sûr qu'au début de la saison, j'ai parlé avec ça avec les coachs. Puis c'est quelque chose qu'on a beaucoup travaillé dessus. Puis euh, c'est sûr que genre, je, je suis encore m'améliorer dans ça, mais euh, je pense que c'est quelque chose que, que j'ai, j'ai fait une, une bonne job c'est, cette année. Ouais, au niveau de l'équipe, il y a eu les blessures, dont toi. Il y a eu euh, les victoires parfaites ont, ont été dures à obtenir. Il y a eu le fait que vous n'aviez pas de partisans à votre arena. Euh, qu'est-ce qui a été le plus dur à composer avec? avec? Ah, c'est sûr que le fait qu'il y avait plusieurs, y avait plusieurs joueurs qui étaient blessés, c'était dur d'avoir notre équipe au complet, puis c'était, c'était, c'était dur de jouer. Mais, euh, you know, à la fin, on a toujours trouvé une, une façon de, de s'améliorer en équipe. Puis, you know, c'est sûr que c'était dur le fait qu'il n'y avait pas de fans non plus, mais à la fin, on essayait juste de, de s'améliorer. Puis, je pense qu'il y a plusieurs gars dans l'équipe qui, qui sont satisfaits avec ce qu'ils ont fait cette année, puis ils ont assez été pour s'améliorer. <coughs> Merci. Thank you, Lou. Have a good day. Thanks. Hey, Alexei. Hi. Any questions? Start with Paris Lawson with OKCThunder.com. Hey, Poku, just thinking back to, you know, your season going down to the G League bubble and then coming back and, and contributing the way that you did, just a uh, where do you feel like you're most proud of the growth in your game this season? Um, just getting experience, you know, thanks to coaching is tough and a GM. I got time to play. I grew as a player and as a professional of the court. Um, just like game slowed down for me through the whole season. Um, you know, just everything. I don't think there's something special that I want to I want to say about uh, about my game, but like just game slowed down and I can read the game better. 
And your select with down to down. Poka, what are your plans this summer? Do you plan to stay in OKC? Do you plan to travel back home? What are your What are your off season plans? Um, I'm just gonna take a few weeks off, then come back here and work out, get ready for next season, get stronger, get faster. Nick Gallo with Thunder Broadcasting. Uh, Poku, uh, just curious about uh, what you've thought of Teo's rookie season. You all experienced a lot of things uh, together throughout the course of the year and and just what you think about the way that he handled everything. He had a great season. He played great. Um, he showed that he can play in the NBA. And I think he's, he's going to have a great, great, great uh, career here. Uh, he's, you know, a smart player. He's using his his tools pretty good. So I think he had a great season. Joe Masato with the Oklahoman. Poku, do you plan to be involved with the Serbian national team in any way this summer and like perhaps play in the Olympics if that's an option? I didn't decide yet, but like I said, I'm gonna be here, work out every every you know, every day, just get back, get ready for the summer. Back to Paris Lawson. Yeah, Poku, just coming into this season, obviously you had to learn the league, but also you're you know moving to a new country and just you know dealing with a, a different life here as well. Just thinking about where you started when you got here and how you feel now, just how, how different do you feel um, in terms of all of that? Yeah, for sure. It's, I feel much different from the, from the first day until now. Um, you know, just traveling with a, with a team, going to the G League, getting back, playing more minutes, playing the you know, starting five, everything you know, plays a role. I feel much comfortable right now, you know, leaving, leaving in OKC and just playing. Andrew Schlecht. Do you, do you have a, a feel for exactly like what skills that you want to work on? I know you said you wanted to get stronger uh, and faster, but are there any specific skills that you feel after being able to play against, you know, almost everybody in the NBA now that you, you want to hone in on this summer? I mean, there's nothing really specific, you know, specifics I want to work on. Just like, you know, tightening the dribble, getting stronger, getting my percent up on three-point shots and everything, you know, that had, had to do with offense, getting stronger had to do with defense. So, you know. Nick Gala. Yeah, you, you just mentioned defense, and I was just curious maybe what uh, what you learned uh, about the defensive end of the floor and what you learned about yourself and, and how you can impact this the game on that end of the floor moving forward. Um, I've learned that I can use my size pretty good on defense. Um, just got to get stronger and being able to take those punches from the stronger players and get faster so I can defend you know, guards. Um, and I think I can be a great defensive player, so you just got to work on it pretty good. Andrew Select. I got one more. I just was was curious, positionally, just kind of where you see yourself. You played mostly on the wing this season, but uh, with, with strength, do you, do you see yourself defending bigger players down the line, or do you see yourself settling in on the wing? Like I said, I want to be able to defend all kind of players. So that's what I, that's what I want to work on uh, this summer. Just getting stronger so I can defend bigger, 
bigger guys' wings and getting faster and, you know, uh, defense, the sliding better so I can defend guards. So I, I want to, like, defend one through five in a few years. Joe Masato with the Oklahoman. You touched on it a little, but what were the biggest challenges of, you know, adjusting to, to living in Oklahoma City, any cultural differences or, or anything like that, um, just as, you know, obviously being a young guy moving over here? Just learning the place, you know, OKC is a nice city. Great for a for player, basketball player, just generally professional guys. Uh, so you can focus on your things. Um, you know, it's a, it was a pretty tough at the beginning. Uh, being alone, but right now it's much easier. I know, you know, great restaurants, uh, great people. So it feels much better now after a whole season. Thank you, Alexei. Thank you. Mike, just as, as you can kind of zoom out now to the, the 72 games and 150 days or whatever it was and, and the challenges of the season, uh, what did you think about this year as a whole and, and how the team, uh, the players, uh, everybody ha- kind of handled it? Yeah, um, yeah, it was quite the season. Uh, obviously much different than a normal NBA season, but just super grateful for the opportunity this season. I felt uh, personally that uh, I grew a lot and, and got a chance to get to know some really great young players and, um, you know, some new coaches in the organization. So um, overall, I'm proud of how the season went. And um, I thought it was a it was a season to remember for sure. Joe Masato, the Oklahoman. Yeah, Mike, uh, around the trade deadline, you were, you know, certainly someone that, that seemed logical to at least be on the move, perhaps, or or even a buyout after that, but you stuck around. What Can you sort of, like, talk us through that and, and sort of the decision to, to stay in Oklahoma City and a member of the Thunder? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, around the trade deadline, there's always a lot of activity, and, um, you, know, uh, you know, I knew it was a possibility, um, that I might be traded, but I was really glad to stay in Oklahoma City. And um, yeah, you know, like I said, uh, just feel like really grateful to have to have met and to have worked with a lot of these guys' organization. And the fact that I was able to stay throughout the trade deadline, got a chance to know uh, a few more players too, and, and grow with them and get to train with them. So that was great. And just looking forward, uh, as you become a free agent, like how are you viewing this off season? And you know. Um, is the is the Thunder on your radar? Is a potential place you'd like to come back to if that's an option? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'll be here working out um, for a good part of the summer, spending time here. Um, also, go back to Minnesota, but uh, yeah, no, I'd love to be here. Paris Lawson, OKCThunder.com. Yeah, Mike, you talk about some of the young guys that you've gotten to get to know during your time here. Um, just curious on your thoughts on Moses and kind of what you've seen from him and, and the minutes that he's been able to have on the floor. Yeah, the first thing that stands out to me about Moses, he plays really, really hard. And uh, I think that's the skill that um, will take him a, a really long ways in, in NBA. His size and his uh, activity on, on the 
on the glass, I'm sure as, as everyone's seen is, is impressive and it's consistent. It doesn't matter if there's 20 seconds left in the game or if it's the, you know, the opening tip in the first possession, he, he comes and he brings it. And I respect a lot about Moses game. And um, as he continues to develop his touch around the basket um, and, you know, he's such a hard worker. I have no doubt that uh, he'll make big stride this off season. And I'm excited to see what, what the future holds for him. Jerry Ramsey, the franchise. How's it going, Mike? Uh, hey. You've been around the league quite a bit. Can you uh, just sort of give us a, a breakdown of Dagnalt's first season as a coach? Uh, just give me your opinion of how he handled the season. I thought he did a heck of a job. Um, you know, so happy for Mark. Um, he's such a caring person, and his attention to detail is uh, is phenomenal. I thought he was so consistent all season long with with film work and um, you know challenging guys, improving their games, and just putting the game of basketball in uh, in perspective as it applies to you know the rest of our lives and and making some great analogies that I thought were helpful throughout the season, and uh, really just reinforcing doing things together uh, as a, as a unit, as a team, as an organization, which I think is so important. You know, throughout a challenging season, you know, you got different guys coming in and out of the, of the roster and also uh, just being ready to play every night. You know, I thought he did a great job getting us ready, um, no matter the, the city we were in, um, you know, the situation with COVID. If there was a cancellation of a game, he, you know, we, we just practiced afterwards. I remember early in the season, we were just talking about that when we were supposed to play Philly. And he just had us, uh, you know, play a scrimmage pickup game because the game was canceled against Philly. I just think he was so in the moment and so uh, purposeful and diligent with with everything he did this season. Um, I'm really happy for him. All right. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Andrew Schleck, down to dunk. Hey, I wonder if you could just kind of walk us through the, the progress that you saw Shea make over the last two seasons uh, to becoming the kind of on-ball primary creator from kind of a guy who was more secondary last season. Yeah, he had a, a, a great season this year. Uh, I think, you know, he's such a great scorer, um, but his passing and the way he just controls the game, you know, when you're in there with him, um, you feel like you know what your role is and that's powerful as a player and, and for him, to be able to have that presence at a young age is really impressive. Um, you know, I know that uh, he'll come back next year even better. So it's exciting. What are some of the similarities that you've seen in him that, that maybe you've seen in some of the other great players that you played with? You've played with a lot of really good players in your career. Yeah, I would say his, his pace that he plays with, he seems um, to play at his own pace and he's so smooth. He's just really smooth as the basketball and his finishing ability. And he has a complete game. I mean, he can do it all. And, you know, I think when you don't have, you know, a weakness that is glaring to the, to the defense and that you can, you know, you can read, he reads what the defense does and gives him, you know, so well that it makes it really hard to guard him. And then as a result, you know, he's constantly putting pressure on the rim, um, you know, beating his man one-on-one -on -one and then, that opens up the floor for everybody else to make, you know, to have open shots or, you know, to drive closeouts or to finish at the rim. So it's a, it's a, it's really a joy to play with a player like that. Back to Nate Gallo. 
Yeah, Mike, uh, I was just curious how much uh, you may have used your your Spanish major and uh, your Spanish language skills with Gabby Deck um, in trying to, you know, kind of help him get acclimated um, and, and just your thoughts on, on him coming in at the late stage of the season that he did. Yeah, we uh, a little bit. Um, you know, I played in Spain uh, my first year professionally and uh, and played in the same league that Gabby uh, was coming from. So uh, it was cool to reminisce on uh, on some times in ACB and to yeah to bust out my uh, ru- very rusty Spanish uh, here and there just to to talk with him a little bit and uh, you know to welcome him to OKC. I thought he did a great job. Uh, coming in late in the season, which is not easy to do from a whole different country and different league. And um, I thought he played really well. Logan Newman, Thunderwire. Hey, Mike. What were the conversations like when the team with the team when they alerted you that they were essentially shutting down your playing time for the season? Um, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, it was just kind of letting me know that, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily – for the rest of the season, but it was just kind of uh, in the moment of, hey, we're going to, you know, we got some young guys on the team that we'd like to get some looks at and to get some experience playing and, um, you know, just be ready to play. Uh, but, you know, as of right now, you won't be in the rotation. And uh, I appreciated their uh, transparency as it came to that because it kind of gave me an idea of what to expect um, in terms of my training and, and trying to, you know, uh, you know, as a player, just we want to know where you stand. So um, they're very upfront about it, very transparent. And I appreciate that. Back to Andrew Schlecht. Can you tell me what, what you thought when you first met Poku and then up until now and talk about maybe his, his progress that he's made throughout the season? Yeah, when I first uh, met him or saw him, his height really stood out to me first and foremost. He's a, you know, he's a very, he's very tall and to have his ball handling skills and his um, passing and shooting skills and footwork that he has at his height is really impressive. Um, And uh, I just thought he did a great job this season, um, just continuing to grow. And I obviously coming at such a young age uh, and not really having, I mean, not having a summer league, uh, having, you know, such a quick start to the season, uh, that's really challenging. And um, when he came back from from the G League bubble, uh, he was, you know, you could just tell he, the game slowed down for him. Um, and, you know, some of the stuff he was able to do this year at such a young age was really, really, really impressive. Uh, and I know he's going to have a, a long NBA career. And uh, I know all the fans are excited to see how he continues to grow. And I am too. So uh, really happy for him. Daniel Bell, Black Sports Online. Hey, Mike. Um, was it a little frustrating uh, at times just watching and not being able to help your team? And then when you did get shut down, did you feel like you needed to take more of a leadership role? Yeah, uh, it, was, it wasn't frustrating for me um, just to be able to be a part of this organization. Uh, and... And like you said, yeah, when I was not playing, um, I found it challenging in a way to uh, find ways to be a leader because as a player, you know, you often do it, at least for me, do it, you know, on the court. 
um, being able to be out there and doing the actions, which, you know, then when you, when you speak it, you know, speak, have something to say, you know, it makes it easy because you're, you're out there doing it, but when you're not out there doing it, um, you know, to find that voice was a challenge for me, but I embraced it and, and, uh, took it as a good opportunity, um, just to try, try to see the game differently, um, without having to, you know, warm up and, and get all that stuff ready for the game, which is just kind of your, your over, the routine I've been doing for my whole career. So it was a good opportunity for me, um, to try to, you know, see the game a little bit differently and, um, you know, maybe just mention some things to some guys, watch film in a different way than I had before. Andrew Schlecht. I have one more. Uh, I was, I'm just curious, like shooting, especially from the big spot is at a premium in the league and you could, you could probably go play for a better team. You know, you could put, go play for a playoff team, but you talk about how you'd like to stay in Oklahoma city. Can you maybe go into that a little bit more? Like, like what are the reasons why you'd like to stay with this organization or why that um, you were happy to stay with the organization past the deadline? Yeah. Um, I just feel like it was a, I'm going to get a little emotional probably, but <laughs> it was just coming to OKC, uh it was just like, it was, I'm grateful for it. And it helped me a lot um, as a, as a man and as a player, just uh, even this year, you know, my family watching from home. Um, I don't know. just, I just feel like uh, the organization's values and, and the fans here and everything. Um, it just it aligns with, with what I feel. So it made it, you know, just really uh, gratifying to come in every day and go to work um, and just, you know, have that, that even this season, have that to do when so many people were um, struggling, you know, with COVID and, and all that, just even the opportunity to play basketball, um, you know, just meant a lot to me. So, um, you know, whatever happens this off season, like I said, I'd love to be back, but I'll always be a, a Thunder fan and always rooting for the Thunder. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mike. Have a good day. Yeah. Thanks. You too. The emotions of what this season meant to you to be able to do that. Yeah, man, it definitely meant a lot to me. Uh, definitely a blessing uh, to just be able to play a full season, man. Uh, a lot of people take that for granted. I know last year uh, I had a back injury, so I set out, you know, more than half the season, you know, it just hurt me. So, being able to um, bounce back this year and play the full year, uh, it really means a lot. Nick Gallo with Thunder Broadcasting. Hey, Kenrich, when, when you came to this organization the beginning of the year, you know, you, you may have not known that much about it. They may not have known that much about you. Just what do you think about the relationship that you've built uh, with the guys in the locker room, the reputation you've built for yourself uh, over the course of this year? Uh, I think the relationships I built here will, will last a lifetime. Uh, just meeting genuine people, genuine teammates. Uh, just everybody, to be honest, in the whole organization. Uh, you know that helps. That helps. Uh, that helped me out a lot this year, and I, I think that uh, you know with a great organization like the Thunder. Uh, you know, it just continue to help to help guys coming in as well. Joe Masato with the Oklahoman. 
Kenrich, a couple of weeks ago, Mark described you as maybe the most respected guy in the locker room. What, what did, how did it make you feel to hear that if you did? And how, how did you establish that sort of respect in just one year? Uh, it meant a lot, you know, uh, coming from, you know, the head coach of the team. Uh, you know, it just meant a lot. It made me smile. Uh, uh, I think you just, I think kind of building that, that reputation just kind of just is being yourself. Uh, if you try to be some someone you're, you're not, then I don't think guys will respect that as much. But if you just come in, be yourself, uh, I think guys and a lot of people uh, in the organization will or respect you for for being yourself. And just one follow up from me: um, you were a guy at the trade deadline whose you know name was tossed around as being someone who could help a contender. Um, you suck around in Oklahoma City. Just how do you see your future? Um, you know, with the Thunder, and, and you know, you, your place is this. Um, you know, being on a rebuilding team. Uh, uh, I know that next year I'll be here. Uh, I'm just going to take it one, just kind of one year at a time. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm very blessed and very grateful to be here with the Thunder in the organization. Uh, I know it's a rebuild year, but I think that uh, just me being around those guys, uh, the young guys especially, uh, it not only did – uh, something for them, but you know, it also helped me. Uh, just helped me have fun with the game again, uh, and just be happy. And you know, every day you know, I'm coming to work, and you know, I'm happy. Uh, so that's it. Andrew, slide put down the question. Uh, earlier, uh, Coach Dagnall kind of joked with a reporter who he, he, the reporter kind of described a situation where someone may have been having a bad attitude. And he said that Kenrich would have him straightened out real quick, something like grabbing him by the collar and saying that he'd have, you would have them straightened out real quick. Is that kind of your, your role behind the scenes with maybe some of the younger guys that you're kind of put, keeping people's attitudes in check? Nah, I'm not snatching anybody over the collar, but uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm definitely letting letting. Uh, I definitely uh, me being older and kind of having some years in the league. I definitely uh, try to uh, just let the let the young guys know kind of right from wrong. Uh, of course, I'm not I'm not you know the parent or anything, but. You know, what I can do is kind of uh, give good advice and, you know, hopefully they can run with that. Steve McGeehee with News 9. Kenrich, you played well this season. How will this season help you out for the next one? And what would you like to work on in the offseason before, I guess, this starts back up in October? Uh, this year is is, uh, is going to be helpful for me next year. Uh just because I'm able to, to be more comfortable uh, out there on the court, um, I'm able to, to – I, I know my teammates now, so I'm able to kind of get that get that chemistry with them, you know, early on uh, rather than having to wait because it was a quick turnaround this, this last year. But uh, 
um, definitely chemistry is something uh, we can carry on the next season. And as far as uh, things I want to work on, I just want to I continue to just keep tightening up uh, everything, make my ball handling a little better. I mean, it's, it's a lot I, I can work on, but you know, I just really want to want to tighten everything up, shooting, uh, ball handling, you know, a lot of, a lot of things. Back to Nick Gallup. Hey, Kenrich, your shooting percentages were sensational this year. One thing Mark said is just how disciplined you are with your shot and that you don't take bad shots. You don't take shots that, that you, uh, that you can't make. What, what was that process like for you in figuring out where your shot locations are and, and what your rhythm is and, and what types of shots are good shots for you? Yeah, it definitely was a process. Uh, I say, I say, to be honest, it was a um, a two year process. Just my first two years in the league, uh, I, I was kind of trying to just figure it out where, you know, where I'm, uh, where I have my strengths on the court as far as shooting. Um, but this year, I, I think I just kind of figured it out, uh, figured it out on kind of not getting caught up in. My first two years and just shooting, uh, a lot of shooting. But, you know, in year three, I was able just to attack the paint more, uh, not not settle for threes. And I think uh, I think that that was a definitely helped uh, helped a lot as far as uh, just my three point shooting percentage. Thank you, Kenrich. Thanks. When do you think that sort of realization came to you? Um, that's a loaded question. Um, I think I'm so far from saying, oh, I've arrived, you know, if, if I'm, you know, not even close to where I want to be and where I think I can be in this league, but I definitely think I took a step in the right direction. Um, I think I have shown people I can play at this level, but, you know, from where I am to where I want to be, where I think I can be in this league, um, I'm not close to there yet, but I definitely was a, Definitely was a big step in the right direction, um, for sure. Uh, was there another part of your question? I'm sorry. No, that, that was it. Thanks. Yeah. Paris Lawson with OKCThunder.com. Yeah, Ty, just kind of going back to that first question and just reflecting on how far you've come this season, obviously overcoming injury, going down to the G League bubble, and then being a major part of, of the rotation in the back half of the season. Is there any part of this, of your game in particular, that you're most proud of that you were able to grow? Um, I think the thing I was most proud of is just, um, you know, those times where I wasn't playing last year or times where I was hurt this year watching or when I was in the G League bubble, um, just the vision I had um, and all the work I put in, being, being able to translate it um, for it being able to pay off. Um, consistently, too. I think that's what I was most proud of. It wasn't, you know, one game here, one game there. I think it was a pretty consistent, um, you know, effort. Um, but like I said earlier, it's, you know, I think I have a whole nother level that I, I can get to. Andrew Schlecht with Down to Dunn. You mentioned not feeling you've arrived yet. Uh, do you, have you gotten any guidance or do you have a feel for what exactly you need to work on to, to kind of get there to achieve those goals? Yeah, for sure. I, some of it is just going to be coming with getting stronger, more experience, playing more, um, you know, sharpening up all areas of my skills. I mean, I think, you know, 
when you work, um, you know, the longer you're going to lead, the better you're going to get just naturally through work, through experiences, through games. Um, so all that stuff, but it's just, and some of it's opportunity too. So uh, all that mixed together. Yeah. Is, is, is some of that to the, the deep range three, which is something that you, you brought out quite a bit toward the end of the season. Is that something as well? For sure. I want to expand my range even more, to be honest. Um, you see where some of these guys shoot from that can only help you. Um, but even for the example, like those shots, I didn't even think about taking last year. So yeah, it's all part of, you know, taking baby steps to where you want to go. Is there anybody that you watch that you model that after that shoots those just ridiculously deep range threes? I mean, guys like Steph and Dame, I mean, yeah. Steph is, is, in my opinion, the most entertaining guy to watch of all time. Like he's, he's, He's unreal. Um, Steph and Dame for sure. But uh, to be honest, I've been shooting those. I've been shooting pretty deep since I was, you know, in high school and college. But it's just about earning your stripes. You know, you can't just you know, step on the court and take a 30-footer if nobody, you know, thinks you have that ability. So it's about, like I said, just baby steps forward. Logan Newman with Thunderwire. Hey, Ty. Uh, much earlier in the season, you were talking about how this role has been simplified for you. What type of responsibilities were added on tier plate as you proved you could handle more of a role? I think um, the ball was in my hands more towards the end with Shea being out. Um, so, you know, we had two real point guards, myself and Teo, so the ball was in my hands more. Um, got to play in more ball screens um, and stuff like that. You know, more minutes, obviously a little bit of a little more of a leader, a little bit more of a voice, um, stuff like that. Back to Nick Gallo. Yeah, Ty, off the court, it just it appears that you and Shay became really close this season. Uh, what what have you um, kind of experienced in that friendship, and and what's that been like getting to know each other? No, I really don't like him that much. I just think um, he's one of the better players in the league, so it's good to you know be friends with somebody like that. But like, I really don't really like him that much. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyone else? Thanks, Ty. Thanks, guys. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.